the coming convergence, signs of the end times, the Bible view. This is the first message of a series I want to do, God willing, on the end times and the second coming of Christ. You know that the Bible foretells that that the end of the days, the end days would be preceded by a sequence of global events that has never before occurred. Now Jesus chastised the religious leaders in ancient Jerusalem for not knowing the time of his first arrival. My question is, will the prophesied final generation today make the same mistake? Is the church in 2017 asleep or awake to what is predicted to happen in the end times? And even more relevant, are we in the end times now? The other day I watched a brand new video documentary that has just been released called The Coming Convergence, produced by Ingenuity Films in association with the prophecy newswatch.com, which is a website I subscribe to. I love the title of this video and it inspired me to do this message. The documentary shows that we are right at the precipice of a tumultuous and cataclysmic world events that lead right into the Great Tribulation period that the Bible speaks about. However, the video ends with a worldwide mayhem happening, which is just up ahead, I believe. But it failed to add the glorious hope of every Christian that the tribulation period will be followed by the glorious return of the Lord who is coming back. They say we were made in God's image. I believe it. Our achievements surpass imagination. Our creations marveled. But our hearts are not pure. So, in the pursuit of greatness, we built our empires upon death and suffering. But the world we shaped could never last. In the end, we brought wrath upon ourselves to cleanse the corruption. And I was there. And the skies opened and fire rained down from the heavens. I witnessed a new leader rise from the ashes, promising peace. But only death came. Now, as the world wages war, I hide as the innocent are slaughtered. But there were those that knew these days were coming, speaking of prophecies and signs. We will be moving toward a one-world government. Maybe that's why I'm still here, to warn you how the world really ends.
a trailer that captured my attention and I ordered the video in from the States and I've just watched it recently. And it's very, very powerful. It's about two hours long. But it, as I said, it had something missing. And the end, and the end finished in, in the, the horrific tribulation period that comes. And that's not the end. The end is, is that Christ returns after the tribulation period. Praise God. Praise God. And there's going to be, I believe, um, a parallel running with the signs of the times of what is coming up. In parallel with that, I believe that we're going to enter into a period of unprecedented revival and an end times harvest of souls. Okay, and we're looking for a railway track. I personally see this like a railway track. One track is death, destruction and persecution and the parallel track is the power of the Holy Spirit bringing refreshing signs and wonders and the love of Christ to the terminal generation. So because I didn't like the way it ended, I chose to make my own notes for this message from the scripture. So this message is a quick overview of what I believe is about to take place up ahead. Now let's look at um, what Jesus says about the future in Matthew 24. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to them the various temple buildings, showing off how glorious these great, this great temple was. But he responded, do you know, do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth, they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left upon another. It is said that in AD 70, when Rome ransacked Jerusalem, that a drunken soldier ran through the temple with, with a flame, flaming torch, and the temple caught fire and it burnt down and because of all the gold there, the, the soldiers ended up taking, taking the temple apart stone by stone to get to the gold. Now, I haven't been able to confirm that Josephus, who was, they say, said this, uh, has actually con was it actually confirmed? But it doesn't matter whether it happened there or it's going to happen future. The temple doesn't exist now. The Muslims have built a temple over the top of it. So the stones of that temple are, are certainly gone. Now look, let's look at uh, verse, chapter 24, verse 3. Later Jesus said on the, the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Now Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, verse 4. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars. But don't panic, these things must take place. But the end won't follow immediately. I believe what Jesus was talking about there and then, because he's talking about the very end days. He's talking about world wars. 
There's only been two, and they have been in our lifetime. And there is likely to be a third. Nation will go to war against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all of this is only the first of the birth pangs with more to come. Is the second video ready? Janet, is the second video ready? Bye. Arguably, one of the most commonly discussed natural sign in the end days is the dramatic increase of earthquakes around the world, something that in geological time would be statistically unprecedented if it were actually happening during what many believe is the last generation. That in the last days there'd be an, an increase in great earthquakes. Jesus used verbiage that means bigger earthquakes in unusual places. We're looking at things regarding, for example, greater hurricanes, greater typhoons, um, things that in nature you can sense that things are coming undone. And yet, if you looked at it naturally, you would say, well, this is due to global warming or this is due to, to man's bad stewardship of the earth. But yet the Bible said as we approached the end, this is exactly what we would see. Which, by the way, that preempts man's involvement. The scriptures do tell us that earthquakes, specifically earthquakes, will increase in frequency and in intensity. But wait a minute. Hasn't the U.S. Geological Survey, or USGS, gone on record to state that this is not occurring, that no such increase in earthquakes have been detected around the world? Because this is such a debated topic, the USGS gave a press release saying that this was not occurring. As a result, we actually decided to take the USGS data, millions of data points, spent months downloading it, analyzing it, graphing it, studying it, the results were absolutely terrifying. Despite what you may have heard in the past, this is the compiled data from the USGS from over the last 100 years. Keep in mind that we're not talking about the millions of micro tremors that can now be detected from the distribution of more numerous and sensitive sensors, but strictly data from the larger earthquakes that can be felt by people beginning at 6.3 and up on the Richter scale that could be easily detected by early 19th century sensors from virtually anywhere in the world. This data shows what the USGS and other organizations do not want you to see. It shows that the earthquakes are increasing in intensity and they are increasing in frequency. This is exactly the description that was prophesied. It's interesting that the world authorities play down the things that are happening because they don't understand them for a start. Jesus went on to say, Matthew 24 is the most important chapter about the end times that exists, although in parallel you need to read Daniel and you need to read Revelation and you need to read Ezekiel, you need to read all of your Bible and you'll find out what is going to happen. But Jesus spoke it all in just one chapter. So verse 24, 5, 
He said, then you'll be arrested, persecuted and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will return, will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Do you know there are more Christians being executed for their faith this decade than in all the history of the world? Think about that. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Is there quite a few people that used to come to this church that don't come anymore? Has their love grown cold? Is that a sign of the end times? It's certainly a sign that we need to pray a lot and get down on our knees for those. The Bible says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. That puts a knife through the once saved, always saved heresy, doesn't it? Jesus said, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Is our faith in Jesus strong enough that we're going to serve him no matter what happens. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Do you know that the Bible translators, Weck and others, have been working around the clock for years to produce the Bible in every tribe, Every, every nation in the world. And of course now, because of satellite, the gospel is being preached all throughout the world. There are millions coming to Christ in China and other countries right into the Middle East because of Christian television satellites pouring down the gospel. Praise God. You know, Paul says that says in uh, 2 Timothy 3, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Hands up those who've got pre-teenagers. A few of you. There'll be ministry for you after the meeting. <laughs> because believe me, you're going to need it. I've had six teenagers. Six children have been teenagers, and now we're seventh. And we need our, our teenagers need a lot of prayer. Though in the last days, people will be unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving slanderers without self-control, brutal despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but, they, but denying the power from such people, turn away. So what did Paul mean by perilous? This week I was looking at a website called shubat.com, S-H-O-E, B-A-T 
Theodore.com. Now, Theodore Shobat was a Palestinian terrorist who got saved and now runs a comprehensive website and email newsletters, which I've been getting for some time, which expose the atrocities being committed almost daily by radical Muslims, Muslims worldwide, including the execution of thousands of Christians. Thousands of Christians every day. The mainstream media doesn't show a fraction of what is happening overseas. Are you seeing on TB1 News or TB3 News the slaughter that's been happening in parts of Africa and Sudan? Have you been seeing on the news several hundred people being lined up and being decapitated? I've seen all the videos. It's happening, all right but the world's media won't touch it. On his latest uh, post, he, he has shown a picture of neo-Nazis in Croatia. This needs to be up. No. We need to go back to the picture of Croatia, what you're seeing there just happened a little while ago. Have you seen this on your news? Neo-Nazis, that's people who believe that Hitler was a wonderful person. Campaigning through Croatia. They're part of a cult with the generation of re renovation. Theodore says that neo-Nazism Nazism is taking over Eastern Europe. Seen that on the news lately? In Croatia and Ukraine, and it's expanding into Western Europe and will make alliances with the Muslims. He says in his book, Christianity is at War, we will be entering the war that will end all wars. The final struggle between Christendom and the empire of the Antichrist. Now, guys, before we move into the tribulation period and horrific things begin to happen, many people believe that there is going to be one very big event in the Middle East. And it's called the War of Gog and Magog. It's described in Ezekiel 38 and 39. So you'll have to do your homework and go home and read it because I'm not going to go through the scriptures right now. But I'm going to summarise it. Joel Rosenberg, who's my favourite author, has written a series of prophetic fiction books about what is up ahead. And he believes that we will see Ezekiel 38 happen before the tribulation starts. In the writers of The Coming Convergence, that video, also believe the same thing, and they go into it in some detail. But what is, they believe that what is prophesied in Ezekiel 38 could usher in the final world government and the rise of Antichrist to absolute power. Now, there's a website called The Friends of Israel, and on that site, that's www.foi.org. Free, slash free resources, slash articles, slash Gog, hyphen, Magog. I recommend that you go in and read that article. It's very, very powerful. 
And I'm just going to do, give you a pricey of it right now to give you understanding. Ezekiel 38 foretells a massive future invasion of Israel by the armed forces of six nations. It's known as the War of Gog and Magog. Five of those nations are identified in verse, uh, chapter 38, 5 to 6 with the names that they bore in Ezekiel's time. And you can read this home for yourself and ponder it. So the map of Magog is up. The first nation, Persia, is now the modern state of Iran. It is radically Islamic. Now why, what I mean by radically Islamic, there are mu Muslim who are peaceful. There are Muslim who are radically Islamic. That is, they want to do what, the, what the, uh, their book, their scriptures tell them to do, which is to kill every Jew and to kill every Christian. That's radical Islam. So Persia, one of Israel's old enemies, is going to strike Israel again. <clears throat> the second nation is Ethiopia, which is not the same as modern Ethiopia now. Instead, it's the occupied area known today as Nubia. Today, it's also known as the Sudan. Have you read in the news what's happening in Sudan lately? What is happening is that the whole nation has been taken over by radical Islams. And Christians are being persecuted and executed every day. The third nation is Libya, the western neighbour of Egypt. It's also now an Islamic nation. The people of the fourth nation, referred to Goma, were also known as the Sumerians. They originally lived, lived north of the Caucasus Mountains in the southern part of what is modern Russia. In Ezekiel's time, they had settled in what is now central Turkey. Now, the news is showing what's happening in Turkey. What's happening in Turkey? It's gone radical Islamist. Just this year, Turkey has gone from being once Christian and then secular part Muslim, now it is radical Muslim. And the president has just passed powers, passed votes to give him total power and total control. The Bible said these five nations are going to attack Israel. The fifth nation, Togamara, was identified by Josephus as the Sigarians who settled in Cappadocia, which is now eastern Turkey. So all the nations named in Ezekiel 38, 5-6 are characterised by a militant Islamic hatred of Israel. And many scholars believe that Russia will lead this future invasion against Israel, Gog of Magog. Now, God's initial action will be to pull these invaders into Israel. God's going to do it. He's going to call them down. And when they attack, his attitude towards them will be characterized by fury, jealousy of his nation, Israel, and fiery wrath. He will then actively intervene to destroy the massive invading force through a fierce earthquake 
landslides, self-destructive panic, pestilence, excessive rain, great hailstones, fire and brimstone. The world will have never seen anything like it and it's all going to happen on the hills above Israel. As these forces come down, God is going to strike them. The Bible says that the Jewish people will be burying the dead from this cataclysmic attack from God against them for seven months afterwards. And I believe that that's going to be such a cataclysmic event that the people of the world will say, help, help, help. And that will be the start or the trigger for a new one world government to come in and we enter into the tribulation period. Look what Jesus says back in Matthew 24, 15. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about. The sacrilegious the sacrilegious object that causes destruction standing in the holy place. Reader, pay attention. Then, then those in Judea must flee to the hills. What is Jesus talking about? Well, if you study Daniel, you'll know. Daniel is the key to understanding the sequence of end times. At the end of Daniel... The, the angel says to Daniel, seal up these prophecies until the end times. So we're only getting understanding of Daniel now. It's coming, it's coming to life. And you'll know that in Daniel there is a reference to the Antichrist, probably standing in the rebuilt temple in Jerusalem demanding worship. Did you know that there's a whole movement to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem happening now? I think that lovely golden dome might not be there for much longer. <clears throat> Jesus goes on to say in 24.15, For there will be greater anguish than at any time during the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. If you've read through Revelation, you'll know that Jesus there is referring to the last two and a half years of the tribulation period when God's wrath comes down upon the land. The seven seals, the seven trumpets, all of those things are going to happen. And I'll be talking about that when I go through Revelation in the future. So this reference that Jesus is saying, I believe, is, is the, the final two and a half years of, of the tribulation period. Some so-called theologians say that all of the above, which we've talked about, happened pre-70 AD and that Christ secretly returned then. My answer to that is poppycock. As Jesus said, for there will be a greater anguish than at any time since the world began. Jesus was speaking future. He wasn't speaking a few years after his resurrection. He says in 24:29, and this is great news after some pretty horrific stuff coming up ahead, 
immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky and the powers in the heavens will be shaken, and then at last the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens. And there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Praise God. Praise God. Interesting. After the tribulation, which is a horrific period, and when the Antichrist is dealt with, the world goes into darkness. Remember the scriptures that says we, we cannot know the day nor the hour? That's not talking about we don't know the signs, that we don't know the times of what's happening. It means we don't know the day nor the hour that Christ is going to come out of the clouds because the earth is going to be in darkness. We don't know how long that's going to be. It could be three months. It could be six months. Imagine stumbling around with no electricity because it would have been blown out by then and no light from the heavens. It's when Christians will be saying, thank you, Lord, for your darkness. Thank you, Lord, because you're coming again. And all of a sudden, Christ is going to appear. That's what the Bible teaches. If you don't know that, read your Bible. It's in there. Look at 2431. And he will send out his angels with a mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of earth and heaven. That tells me, folks, I believe the church goes through the tribulation. Because when Christ comes at the end, he gathers us all that are left, and from heaven, those that have died and gone to be with heaven, and pulls us all together to him when he comes to reign. That's what I believe. So we've looked at some of the events and a possible scenario of what lies ahead prior to the return of Christ. You can read a hundred books which say something different and you can look at a thousand websites which have different scenarios but that's the scenario that I have come to understand is what the scripture's talking about and you can ponder on that. Some people say that these events might not happen in our lifetime and blissfully go on as if Jesus didn't know what he was talking about. And that all the prophetic warnings, of which there are hundreds, are just symbolic pictures of events that may have happened in the past. Look what Peter says, Second Peter 3, that I have come to understand is what the scripture's talking about. And you can ponder on that. Some people say that these events might not happen in our lifetime and blissfully go on as if Jesus didn't know what he was talking about. And that all the prophetic warnings, of which there are hundreds, are just symbolic pictures of events that may have happened in the past. Look what Peter says, 2 Peter 3. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last day, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. 
And then in verse 9, he says, The Lord isn't really slow about his promise, as some people think. No. He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed and wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Verse 13, but we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. So why do I think we are in the last days? Two reasons. The first is that when I was a boy, around about 8, 9, 10, I had a, an impression or a thought, not an audible voice or a vision or a dream, just a thought, that one day I would be a preacher <laughs> in the last days before Christ returned. And here I am at 67, and I didn't start preaching regularly until a couple of years ago. That's one of my reasons. The second reason is probably a lot more reliable. So we go back to that Olivet discourse in Matthew 24. Jesus goes on to say in verse 32, Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all of these things happen, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation, what generation is that? It's the generation that sees the fig tree blossom. Will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. So what is the undeniable sign of Christ's return? You know, most of the world remains ignorant of the soon coming return of Jesus Christ. And while I can understand that some people might overlook some of the, the scenarios and signs that I've suggested are happening, I don't understand how they could miss the one sign in particular. It is clear and unmistakable. And I believe in it in itself shows the return of Jesus is near. I believe it proves the existence of God beyond all doubt. So what is the sign? The sign is Israel. Israel is back in its land. That's right. The fig tree is budding. Israel is referred to as the fig tree. We're looking at what's happening in Israel right now. In 1948, in one day, Israel was born again. In one day. The United Nations, can you believe it? Because the United Nations hates Israel. But at that precise, on that precise day, they passed a resolution which gave Israel back its land where it hadn't been for 2,000 years. It's an absolute miracle. Through the prophet Isaiah, God promised Israel would blossom agriculturally and fill the whole world with its fruit. Israel is also filling the whole world with absolute brilliant technical 
advanced. Do you know that most of the internet, most of the phones, systems, security systems of the world, many of the, 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 the latest medical um, breakthroughs are all coming out of Israel. <coughs> the whole world will, will, will know its fruit. And, he, and uh, Isaiah then promised again in Isaiah 35.1. In fact, there, uh, he, he prophesied that the desert will bloom. Do you know that Israel, prior to 1948, was a barren land? There was a few Arabs living there and a few odds and sods. It was barren. After 1948, can you see what the Jewish people have done for the land of Israel? It is absolutely glorious. They, they, the, the, land is, the land is producing fruit and food like it has never done before. The cities have grown up. It's, it, the modern Israel is a modern day miracle. When, <coughs> when you see the fig tree blossoming, look up. The existence of modern Israel today is a clear and unmistakable sign that Jesus is about to return. Israel back in the land. Centuries in advance, God foretold the modern-day nation of Israel. He promised to bring the Jewish people back into the land and to re-establish the ancient nation. And in May 1948, that's exactly what happened. It's an amazing miracle. Let's pray. Father God, the times ahead might look fearful and scary, but nevertheless... I'm going to believe your word. And your word says, if I believe that all of my household will be saved. Acts 16.30. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. This morning as I was just finishing rereading my notes, I did my Bible reading and the last two sentences of my Bible reading were Proverbs 29, 25. The f-